Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we're going to talk about what does the Bible have to say about spanking. You know, and this is a topic and subject that can be quite controversial uh, throughout most communities and cultures. Uh, Even within the church itself, it can be very controversial, and I myself do not believe spanking um, is a necessity. I think it's actually a way that parents take out their frustrations on their children a lot of times. And the Bible, as we, as we will see today, doesn't really approve of it. The rod and the staff, when they talk about that, that's all the Old Testament. And when, when Jesus came in, he, he changed a lot of what the Old Testament said and made it much more loving. For instance, um, the Old Testament would tell you, you know, an eye for an eye, hand for a hand. And Jesus says, no, you turn the cheek. And you would forgive seventy times seven. So, you know, there's a lot of different different uh, theories out there on this. But um, the reality is that there's been studies done that have said that actually spanking has some some uh, detrimental effects on children, long term detrimental effects on children. It actually does more harm than it does good. And I've talked to a lot of people that have had the same, the same, uh, the same experience. So it's you know coming from an abusive family, abusive childhood. When I got into my recovery and, and I started really he- doing my healing work, and the one thing I wanted to do when I became uh, got back with my walk with, with God and then with Christ, I wanted to really look for scripture about. What does the Bible really say about what happens to, uh, or, or, or what does it say about a punishment, or I'm just going to use the word abuse of children. And there's a lot in there that's, um, that we don't hear about a lot that's not good for the people that punish children or, or abuse children. So um, I, I kind of did some research. Um, I've been doing this for quite a while on this different stuff and so for this one I, I found um, some some studies done by Thomas Holler and Chick Mormon they did they did a little bit of work on this themselves and they're they're both pastors as well and so I'm going to kind of glean off of their stuff um they they, they ended up writing a, uh, an article for for a magazine um or a, a parenting newsletter I should say and it they said that this is going to hurt me more than it is going to hurt you. And that was the, the title of that article. Um, and they challenged all the readers to examine a widely accepted view on spanking from a different perspective. You know, people, you know, you see it all the time that, well, you know, especially on Facebook, you see all this garbage going around that what these kids need is that they need to be put over their, their parents' 
knee and they need a good whopping and they need a good you know spank and they need this and i can guarantee you right now that there's ones out there doing the writing um probably were a lot of them were abused in many different ways and they're just fighting against society at this point in time and with the work that i do i can tell you that there's been really no um, in my experience i've never experienced anybody that has said that yes man can help me a lot in fact, I, I, I'll tell you one quick story that my my stepfather uh, was very abusive. Very, I mean, he when he when he punished me, he beat the living tar out of me. And my mother would sit there and watch. And oftentimes, my mother was she wasn't any better, to be honest with you. And I'm I'm saying that now, and it's no disrespect to them. They were both very broken people. But that this is the reality, and this is the truth of my life. And and I learned to despise and and quite honestly hate both of them for quite a long time until I was able to forgive them but then I would go to my grandmother's house and I love my grandmother dearly she was a matriarch she she was my my source of peace and solace and what she would do when I would disappoint her um (laughs) she would first of all you know if it wasn't nothing major she goes oh you little shit um I hope I could say that that's okay but um, that's was her language all the time, you know, and it was kind of, I look at it back now, it's kind of humorous and it's just, you know, it's what she did. And it wasn't derogatory. It wasn't said in a mean way. It was almost, you know, said like in a, in a, in a humorous way. But then what she would do for, for my, um, for my discipline, not punishment, not, punishment comes after the, after the fact, you know, disciplines before. Okay. So, um, but what she would do, actually, it was her form of punishment, I guess you could say it was. But she would put me on a chair in the corner of, our, of the kitchen that she had. And I hated it. I hated it because I knew when she put me on that chair that I had disappointed her. That she got to a point where I, I disappointed my grandmother. I let her down. And I, and I didn't like doing that because my grandmother meant the world to me. That, that was different than getting beat all the time. Because there was no respect, no love, no no nothing given to me when you're being beat. Even if you're being you know smacked with a belt once or twice or any of that or a switch or whatever, it's it's there's no respect whatsoever. And the Bible says that you know we're supposed to honor your mother and your father, but and and I agree with that. But how are we supposed to honor our mother and our father if they're doing unhonorable and unrespectful things to us? don't tell me that, oh, you know, you just got to do it. No, you don't. You don't, and you can't. It's next to impossible. That's what's wrong with a lot of people today. They're forced to do things that they feel that they can't do because of the abuse that they've undergone, so to speak. So the following the article, they received a lot of emails, this Thomas Holler and Chick Mormon. And the comments from the readers who feel that the Bible strongly, they feel that the Bible strongly supports spanking and the use of corporal punishment as a necessary form of raising children. They feel that the Bible supports spanking and corporal punishment. That man, and, and that's where, again, when you read the Old Testament, I can see where people would think that. Now, mind you, I'm not a theologian. I am a pastor. I'm still learning. But none of this makes sense to me. I always say, show me in the Bible where Jesus has hit kids, and then maybe I'll change my mind. 
but I need unequivocal, unequivocal, unequivocal proof that that happened. And these guys, as ordained ministers, um, they spend a lot of time researching this, which which I, I appreciate because, you know, somebody needs to do it. And somebody needs to switch the, the minds of, of people. Um, I've even heard some pastors say, you know, I'm, I'm with my kids. It's like, man, that, that's that's so far left of what Jesus would do, you know. Um, we have to remember that parenting includes and marriage as well, topics of marriage and, and love. Um, it really includes a lot of the grace of God as seen through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, it's the grace of God that we got to display as parents. I'll get a little more into this later, but we just can't. We we just can't. We get frustrated and we want to hit our children, spank our children. Now, there's parents out there that don't. I understand. There's parents out there that go to the other extreme as well, and I do understand that part. That's not good either. But there's discipline, and this discipline comes before the fact. So punishment comes after the fact, discipline comes before the fact, and teaches us healthy things. That's John Lee talks about that. That's a quote from John Lee. A lot of these parents believe. A lot of these parents believe that it's a that the that it's a biblical mandate to spank, and they fear that if they don't spank, this is sad. They fear if they don't spank their children, they'll com- they'll, they will commit the sin of losing control of their child. Well, I would challenge parents to really think about this statement right here. Is that how many parents are under control when they spank their children? And I, and I think spank- spanking comes from a point of frustration. Or I got nothing else left to do, so I'm just going to spank them into submission. Let me ask you a question. Do you want do you want your children to love you out of fear or I'm sorry do you want your children to respect you out of fear or do you want your children to respect you out of love I can tell you this is that I, I never never wanted my children to think about me and hate me as much as I th- hated my stepfather and my mother I never wanted them to feel that way about me, because I it, it was ugly. It's nasty, you know. Yeah, we are we are supposed to. Our parents are supposed to be there to bring us up, to teach us, to love us. That we and and then we can respect them. Then we can love them. They're there to honor us, show us the ways of life, show us the love of Christ. And I, I didn't have that. They were born again Christians. Both of them, born-again Christians, deacon of the church, member of the choir. And they they sure had the congregation and the community fooled. They could do no wrong. But the minute, the minute those doors closed behind us in our home, it was a whole different story. And so in no way were they showing me the love of God or the grace of God. 
And it doesn't matter how bad it is. Why did it get that bad to begin with? I was talking to a, a, another psychologist yesterday, and, and she was pointing on. It was like, I, and actually, I was, I was happy she said it because this is the way I feel all the time. We're not born out of control. We're not born um, crazy. All right, children don't, at four, five, six, seven, eight years old, they got learned behaviors. Now there is those few few children, and I agree because I my granddaughter's one of them that have some um, some mental uh, disabilities that aren't created by anybody. They're just there, and it's 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 sad, but that's the reality of it. But it's few and far between apart. But we do everything we can to help her, my daughter, her, her, her husband, my, my wife, and me, my, my, my entire family. We know how to deal with her without having to spank her, without having to yell at her, without having to do any of that. We don't have to do that. So, but a lot of children aren't, aren't born out of control they're watching parents we're the mirror that they're looking into and they see us acting a certain way well that's what they think they have to act like they see a mother that's raging screaming and yelling or a father see a raging screaming and yelling throwing stuff well you know that that's what they're going to copy These same kind of parents, what they do is they believe that God has commanded them, commanded them to spank and they take spare the rod and spoil the child, literally. But in doing so, they misunderstand the concept of the rod. Let let me ask you a question. Either God is everything or God is nothing. There's no in between. He's either everything to you or he's not. And I know at all, all of us at some time probably struggle with this. I know I still do, and I've talked to a lot of people that they, they still do. It's like, yeah, I, I believe in God, and he, I, that's the reason I'm here, but I'm struggling with this part of it. And it's like, well, okay, we're struggling with it. We're not running from it. But either God is everything or God is nothing. And as long as he's everything, then we're on the right side of the fence whether we're struggling or not. So if you take Psalms 23 where it says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Which is it? Does the rod and the staff comfort me or does it beat me? Or does it fill me with pain and fear? It can't be both. It's it's one or the other. God can't be one day and not the next day. God is everything or God is nothing, period, in the conversation. So the rod and the staff, does it comfort me? Or does it not? Or does it fill me with fear? It's pretty hypocritical if we as parents say, well, it comforts me, but I use it on my child to put the fear of God in them. Where does it say to do that in the Bible? So I want to go over some scriptures. Um, 
that uh, that cause a lot of confusion for a lot of people, and, and understandably so. I think if you if you just listen to these and, and understand them, it says, "He who spares the rod hates hates his son." Now, where does Jesus say anything about hates? This is the remember. This is in Proverbs thirteen twenty four. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Okay. And we'll talk about the rod and staff a little bit more on how that rod and staff are really to be used. The word, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him, not punish him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And look at the rod discipline will drive it far from him the rod is used to protect people and there's a I'll get to it do not withhold discipline from a child discipline from a child if you punish him with the rod he will not die punish him with the rod and save his soul from death now I'm going to go back to it what is it? Is it a punishing tool or is it a saving tool? It can't be both. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to its, its, itself disgraces his mother. Well, yeah. A child left to itself is going to disgrace a lot of people. A child should never be left to itself. A child should be learning discipline on a daily basis. We just had this conversation on um, our, our, uh, on discipline in my couples group on Saturday night. And you know what what is discipline? Well, it's doing the right thing. In the program, we tell you you got to start disciplining yourself. What are you talking about? If you don't make your bed in the morning then start making it every morning first thing. As soon as you climb out of bed, make discipline yourself to discipline to discipline yourself to make that bed every morning. Or another one I just heard is if you get up every morning and you put your pants on, you put your right foot in your pants first, then put your left foot in your pants first because we have to change everything. You have to discipline yourself. I have to discipline myself to get up every morning that I'm going to ride my bike. I got my alarm goes off at four thirty. It's a discipline just to get out of bed, to get my coffee and get ready to go riding. My wife says, "Man, you just do it naturally." One time we were talking a couple of years back, and I go, "Man, it, it might look natural to you, but you don't seem to understand that every morning I get up, I've got to really push myself." There's mornings I, I don't have to, but for the most part, i got to push myself. I'm disciplining myself. Doing homework every night, doing studying. Are you disciplined? What's your discipline? Are you disciplining yourself enough to where you can come home, maybe have a snack, maybe play for, you know, go outside and hang out with your buds for a half hour and then come in and do your homework or do your homework first and then hang out or do your homework and not hang out at all? It's discipline. Not punishment. 
So the, uh, first glance is that these verses seem to be in strong support of the use of corporal punishment. But do they really? Do they really, really support that strong punishment? You know, actually, what we need to do is is um, we need to replace the word punishment or the the rod. Um, let me get that in a minute. Let's talk about the rod and the staff, okay? Here's the reality. The shepherds used the rod to fight off prey, right? To, 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 to fight off prey. And they used the, stra- the, the, the staff to gently guide their wandering sheep back into um, back into the flock in the, in the cook of the, of the staff, they would reach out and they would grab their sheep gently and pull them back into the, into the flock of sheep. So to fight off prey, not to beat the sheep and thump them at all, right? To fight off prey. So nowhere in it does it say that to beat the sheep. And you look at what would you you know you think about the prodigal son and you think about the the uh, the, the ninety nine sheep and the sheep herder will go after the one sheep that's lost and when he finds that sheep what does he do he puts it over his shoulders carries carries it back to camp and has a feast and a celebration that he was able to find the one lost sheep now his flock is full again. The prodigal son, his son takes all of his money that the father gets his inheritance and goes out the ways of the world and comes back after living, you know, with the pigs. And does his father say anything to him, yell at him, scream at him, or anything like that? No, he walks him back with, with open arms. You know, we're going to make mistakes in life. Our, our children are going to make mistakes. It, it, it's inevitable that they make mistakes. But why do we have to why do we have to punish them when a child already feels down instead of sitting down with them trying to figure out what might have gone wrong? I, I always use this example, and it really gets a lot of people that if um, your son's studying, your son or your daughter, and they're, they're at home studying for a test and they got a big test coming up and they study for it and they come out and they ask you questions. They go back in their room and you know, they're studying and studying the day of the test comes. They feel like they're all prepared. They go sit down and they get home from school that afternoon. Instead of being all happy and jovial about having a good test, they're kind of down and mom or dad or both go, Hey, what's up? How'd you do on your test? And they just kind of look at the ground and they, they don't want to look up. And they go, you know, Dad, I, Mom, I, I got a D on the test. What? You got you what? You got a D on that test? Wow, man. I, you studied hard for that test. I know you did. You come out and ask us questions, right? But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's where it is. I know what you did. Yeah, you might have studied hard, but you went in your bedroom and you, and you didn't do nothing. That's what it was, wasn't it? You came out here, made it look like you were studying hard, and then you went back in your bedroom, listened to your music, talked to your boyfriend on the phone, do whatever you're doing, but you certainly weren't studying in that bedroom. 
That, that, that happens a lot. We're down and we get kicked even farther when we're down. How about going back to the point to where, man, I saw how hard you studied for that test. And I know you were prepared for it. So, hey, you know what? Let's just chill for right now. Take a little re- relaxation. Mom's about got dinner ready. We'll have dinner and we'll sit down and we'll have a little conversation and, and figure out maybe, you know, what, do you, what, what you missed. What did you do wrong or what didn't you do? And so that when you have a test come up again, we can adjust our studying. And you know what? I don't care. Just, let's just work on getting a C on the next test instead of a B or an A. That's because something something in there isn't clicking with you, even though it was clicking here and you did ask all the questions. All right? You know, hey, it happens once in a while. Your grades are great in all your other classes, so it's no big deal. We'll get through this, and we'll we'll help you. We'll help you figure out a way to maybe do better on the next test. I use that example all the time at treatment facilities and different places I speak, and nobody has told me, the second scenario is what their parents do. It's always the first scenario when they get kicked when they're down. Four A's and a D, and all you talk about is a stupid D on a, a report card. What about the four A's? Let's celebrate the four A's. We'll worry about the, the D later. Let's, we'll talk about that at a later point in time. But let's celebrate the four A's. That's, that's good work. They're kids. We're human beings. We're not robots, and we're not perfect. So actually, what in Proverbs is um, what they're talking about or to extract from these, these verses in Proverbs is that to create a culture of accountability. Now, this, this changes everything. Accountability, which this world is lacking, and a lot of people are lacking accountability. Now, it's his fault, their fault. You know, he didn't do, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Well, did you ever check up on him? I mean, go, go, go to a, a corporate setting. You give somebody a project to do, and you just walk away from him. And he might have come try to talk to you. You wouldn't talk to him. Right? And then so all of a sudden the project is late, and you're all pissed off and mad and yelling at him. And your boss is getting down your throat, and you're blaming it on him. Well, did you ever, as a project coordinator, project manager, did you ever check, on, check in with him? Did you ever check in with him? Say, how you doing? Is there anything you need help with? Because I'm here to help you. No, a lot of there's people out there that do that, I, and, I, and I know there is. But there's a lot that don't. They want to blame everything on everybody else. They don't want to look in the mirror at themselves. So we need to create a, a culture of accountability. The point that God is making is that we as parents are told, are to hold our children accountable for their choices and actions. Hold them accountable. Right? There's a lot of ways you can do that. There's, um, and, and there's a lot of ways you can do that, and corporal punishment never really has to be one of them. There, there's a whole lot of different ways out there. You just got to do your research, and I, I don't have time to talk about them today. Um so what I'm going to do is I want to read those passages that I just read to you, but I'm going to replace them, uh, any reference to punishment with, uh, or the, the word, the rod, I'm going to replace those with accountability and the meaning, um, and the meaning stays the same. So Proverbs 13:24 says, it would read like this if you, if you replace those words. 
He who spares accountability hates his son. Okay? So if, you, if you're not holding your children accountable, and I don't like the word hate, but that's what the scripture says, he who holds his, is not, who spares accountability to their children, hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but holding him accountable will drive it far from him. Accountability. Our children have to be held accountable. The example I used uh, not too long ago is that, um, so you got your son or your daughter, they're out front playing, and you've, you've had countless talks with them about, hey, don't be throwing rocks. One of these days you're going to break a window, blah, 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 right? And so one day the son's playing out in the front yard, him and his buddies, and they're throwing rocks, and sure enough, sure enough, they break a window. So how, how do we hold a, a child accountable for that? He was just a kid. Well, first of all, you told him not to throw the rocks. So the accountability comes in, and it's not punishment. What well, is a form, I guess, but it's not, not physical punishment because it don't work. There's two ways that you can do it, three ways that you can do it. One is you just kind of blow it off and you pay for the window and let your son get away with it. No accountability. He, he is taught there. Now everything's entitled to him. Number two, you go out and get him and you bring him in the house and you whip the crap out of him. And then it doesn't make him not like you anymore. And he'll probably go break more windows. Right? But the third way is this. Hey, come on, sit down, we need to talk. How many times did I tell you not to go out front and throw rocks? I told you that you're going to break a window one day, and if you did, it's, it's, you're going to have to probably pay for it. So here's the deal. You broke the window after I told you not to throw rocks. So for the next month, you're going to mow our yard every weekend. You're going to do all the yard work every Saturday before you can do anything else. And your allowance is going to come back to us every Saturday, every week until that window is paid for. Well, Mom, I'm supposed to go to Disneyland next, next weekend with Johnny, and they're leaving at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you because you broke the window. And maybe this time you won't. Next time you'll listen to me and you won't be throwing rocks. There's another alternative to that one you could do too. You could have them, but that, that's going to be a choice of a parent. I won't go into that one. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Do you withhold discipline from a child? If you create a culture of unaccountability, I'm sorry, if you create a culture of accountability, he will not die. Create accountability and save his soul from death. Look at what's going on in the streets right now. No accountability by these people. Destroying, destroying businesses that people have spent their entire life savings on. Or they spent their entire life building it. You know, I, I don't know where you're at with all of our statues, but they've been icons in the United States of America for years. Why are they tearing them down, defacing them, breaking windows? Where's the accountability? They're blaming it on what? On cops? They're the ones doing it. The cops aren't doing it. I understand the frustration. Protest. 
protest peacefully. This is not peaceful protest. Those kids know nothing about accountability. It's all entitlement, and you did it. We have nothing to do with it. it it's a bad situation right now. So we want to we want to get that accountability going. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen would read: The culture of accountability imparts wisdom, but a child left to its disgraces his mother. Accountability does impart wisdom. It absolutely 100% imparts wisdom. Because the child's got to make a choice, a stupid choice or a wise choice. If I throw this rock into the window, it's going to break. Is that a smart choice? I don't think so. What's the wiser of the two choices? Hey, better not throw some rocks. There's a lot of windows around here. I don't want to break any. That's a wise decision. You know, and then there's um, then there's some other scriptures that I want to go over to that um, that people think is a mandate to to spank and dismiss our other passages that seem to harsh by by today's standards, Because right. um, they just they they, they don't they, they interpret the rod as that that rod of punishment. Says anyone who attacks his father or his mother must be put to death. <laughs> really? Imagine doing that today. I mean, we have to admit that our children at some point in time have verbally attacked us. They attack us when we don't do what they what we ask them to do. It's attack against our integrity. It's attack against our our instructions. We're to put them to death when they attack us. <laughs> You imagine doing that in today's society? You think we've got problems now on the streets? Holy guacamole. That's in Exodus 21, 15. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood will be on his hands. <laughs> Again, this is Leviticus 29. Again, you're talking from the Old Testament. So, you know, we can use the rod to beat our children. Well, at some point in time, our, our children are going to fight back against us. It's just the way it's going to happen. Some way, shape, or form, they're going to fight back against us. We've all had, um, at one time or another, our child, I know I did, have told, has said, I hate you. Or you're not the boss of me. <laughs> I mean, you've heard that one. You're not the boss of me, Mom that or they've even heard that you know f you bomb coming at you but no one no one well not that i know of would say their their child needs to be put to death that that's absurd that's ridiculous the reality is the bible simply does not support spanking it supports holding children accountable it doesn't support spanking it supports train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I use this example because I had a guy I worked with, and he'd been in gangs and he'd been in prison. The guy was a great guy, man, heart of gold. I mean, he turned his life around, and he wonderful. And he had a, he had a son, and his son watched him all all, all his life and in this gang world. 
So naturally, the sun was following in his path. And it really didn't matter. It really did not matter how much his father said, son, please don't do that. It's going to lead you down the wrong path. It's no good. There's a lot of trouble and you know, all this. And the son said, yeah, but dad, you did it for so many years and you were okay. And so the son continued doing it. See, he watched his dad grow up in, in the gang life and he wanted to be like his dad. Right? And in doing so, he ended up with three strikes. Now he's in prison. His dad did everything he could in his power to say, you can't be doing it this way. It's sad. Training does not mean spanking, hitting, or any other form of corporal punishment. That's not training. That's not how you train somebody. You got to think about that. In the New Testament, this is where it gets, where it's important that the New Testament, Jesus modified the Old Testament by providing with a model of gentleness and love. So this is where I talked earlier. He changed the eye for an eye approach and called for turning the other cheek and forgiving 70 times 7. Okay. He changed the eye for an eye approach and called for turning the other cheek and forgiving 70 times 7. Could you imagine going around right now or somebody robs somebody, a petty theft, or a kid goes and steals candy and, they, and, the, and the, the store owner has a right to grab that kid and chop off his hand because he stole candy? I mean, that would never fly. Beating our children or, or, or punishing our children or spanking our children, however you want to say it. I know most of the time it wasn't a spanking for me, it was a beating. So what we should do is consider these inspired words of God in your parenting. One, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not bring your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training of instruction of the Lord. Another one, another one says, Fathers, do not uh, anger your children to, uh, to cause them to be discouraged. There's a couple different versions of that. So we're talking about the Lord. The Lord is God. And what is God? God is love, right? God is love. So we've got to bring them up in the way of God, way of the Lord. And the Lord is love. So what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5 says it this way. Love is patient. And I know it's hard to be patient with your kids. Love is kind. That should be an automatic. You should be kind to your kids all the time. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. They're your children. No records of wrongs. I've been married to Kathy for 37 years. And she has never, or I haven't, we have never thrown anything that's happened in the past in each other's face. This includes the affair I had in 2004. In 2004, it's been 16 years since that affair happened. Almost 16 years. Not once has Kathy ever thrown that affair in my face. We have talked about it. She's, she's, 
voiced some feelings she had, and I was allow and and I allowed her to talk about that. It's one thing my therapist said: you make sure you let her talk about that affair. And when I allow her to talk about it and validate her feelings, she's great. She knows that I respect her and I understand her. She has a right to feel that way. Even today, 16 years later, if something comes up and something has about four or five months ago, it's like, yeah, I understand. You have a right to feel that way. And I, and I, I can see where you feel that way, but just know that I love you and I'm not, I'm not going nowhere. Where if I could have just gone to her and said, what are you, it's been 16, almost 16 years. And you're still talking about that affair after these years have gone by and I've been such a good husband to you? That would have just blown it out the window. So how, how often are you sitting down letting your, letting your children talk to you without judgment? Just let them say how they feel. Sometimes as children, they, we, they just need to be heard. I'm just how I'm feeling, Mom. How do I deal with this? I don't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. I just get over it, man. You know, figure it out. You're a boy. Just toughen up at school and just, you know, blah, blah. Come on. That's a a chicken way out. Help them understand their feelings and why they're feeling that way. And they have a right to feel that way. And that other people sometimes just don't respect other people's feelings. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. Don't support what everybody else is, is saying to them. Teach them that it's okay to have feelings, for God's sake. So we go to it. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Colossians 3.21 Don't discourage your children. What do you think you're doing when you're calling them names and screaming and yelling at them and, and hitting them, spanking them, whatever, however you want to use it? You're discouraging them. You're not, you're not encouraging them. You're discouraging them. Especially if you're calling them names of any kind. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love with a gentle spirit? 1 Corinthians 4.21 I sure don't want a whip. You know, oftentimes when I speak to people and I'm at treatment centers, I'll be talking about this subject. And this one guy one day, he spoke up. He says, you know, my dad beat me and I'm just fine. I says, Really? Really, you wanna you wanna rethink your statement? I go, you just got out of a two year stint in prison, and you're in a drug rehab facility. Now you you want to talk about this a little more? And as I talk further, I says, just just entertain me for a minute. Go back to the time you were that little kid and your dad was beating you like that. How did it make you feel? And he, he grumbled a little bit. I go, no. Sit with it. How did it make you feel as a little child when your dad was beating you and calling you names? And he didn't have to say nothing. He sunk in his chair. You could see the look on his face. It killed him. So don't use this excuse, I was beaten, I'm fine, because the reality is you're probably not. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, and this one you're never going to hear, I never hear, I've never heard any of this, but this one is specifically, especially. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And in the commentary that goes to that scripture, Jesus is saying you'd be better off dead than to harm one of my little ones. 
you know, and my stepfather. Now, as children, teenagers, we're just thinking one way. They caused us. They caused me to fall from, from God and the church. They, because of their behavior, because of his harm, because of what he did to me. Now, as an adult, we have choices. It's different as an adult. We know better. We can't blame. At some point in time, we've got to quit blaming our bad behavior on our past. So, become an enlightened parent. A parent who is moved, uh, moved and inspired by the Word of God that calls for grace, gentleness, forgiveness, and love and all, and all that you do. Challenge yourself to create a Christ-like approach to parenting. Philippians 2.5 In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. What would Jesus Christ do? We don't know exactly what he did, but we know what he did. We don't know exactly what he did, but we know what he did. Love. It says right here. If I can find it again. Oh. God, call, God that calls for grace, gentleness, forgiveness, and love in all that you do. Be Christ-minded. Seek strategies and techniques that enable you to parent to the soul, to the soul of your child. To parent to the soul of that child. Do not break your, your, your child's spirit and soul. You start, you start abusing them, calling them names, and making them feel like they're nothing but a piece of garbage. You've broken their spirit. And it's hard for them to get back. So please, parents, practice. Practice grace, gentleness, forgiveness, and love in all that you do. I'm going to leave you with this. Punishment is after the fact. And discipline is before the fact and teaches Healthy choice making. John Lee. Okay. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Check out my websites, please. CourageousHealers.org. CourageousHealers.org. And my life coaching page, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com for uh, life coaching services. I got. Uh, you can read about uh, the packages I have on there. You can also get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon. It is on uh, Kindle. Audible and paperback, as well as my 30-day devotional, The Wholeness, and my 7-day challenge. Both of those are on Amazon as well, and they're, uh, I believe they're both on Kindle and, and paperback. So remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, if Randy does, be blessed, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>